Good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday. Welcome. Welcome, 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 everybody. Today is Wednesday, January 11th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 279 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, all a chat, are going to be ripping through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be providing my expert analysis on each of those stories, on what it means to you as a practitioner, so what can you do with it uh, to operationalize it at work, at this, you know, this today, this week, this month, whatever, bring cyber risk reduction to your business, to your clients, or if you're looking to break in the industry, don't worry, this isn't exclusive for practitioners only. You're going to get a lot of context, a lot of terminology, meet a lot of people, networking is absolutely critical, so settle in. It's going to be a great day, and it's my favorite day of the week for Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing because of Worldwide Wednesday, so stay tuned for that activity. But before we dig in, before we go around the globe, before we jaw jack, I want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with my good friend Eric Taylor over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to minimize the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. You got a ransomware incident? You know what to do with it? Just yeet it out the window with the help of Eric Taylor. If you go to Barricade Cyber, their website's right here on the screen. You can scroll right down to Eric's calendar. Hit a day on the calendar, hit a time on the calendar, and boom, you've got yourself an appointment. Like, no hassle consultation with Eric and the group over there to see how they can set you up for success. That way, if you do suffer a cyber incident, you'll have an answer on the quickness. Also want to say shout out and much love to Recon InfoSec. Let me find a different read here. I have four reads for Recon InfoSec. Here we go. Listen, Recon InfoSec's managed detection and response, MDR, if you're not familiar with the term, MDR. Their offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. Their MDR service includes fully managed SIM and SOAR, and customers gain full visibility into their own environment, as well as any incident investigations being worked by the Recon SOC team. You get access to the analysts, the architects, the engineers, up and down the stack. It's a security company actually built by security people, not business people, although they are business savvy, don't get me wrong. Uh, but they know what they're doing. Uh, a lot of SANS instructors up in there. Uh, good people, good times. Definitely check it out. Reconinfosec.com, links in the description below. They do more than MDR, um, so check them out. Also, Thursday Defensive, um, which is awesome. If you Google Thursday Defensive Recon Infosec, you'll be pleasantly surprised with what you find. Now, that is our gracious sponsors. Thank you again, Recon Infosec and Barricade Cyber. I want to remind you, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So that stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month on average. Be sure to say what's up in chat and say hello, hashtag team live, hashtag whatever, um, to get credit and to be able to go back and forensically point to what your, um, that you were here, okay? If you're live, love it. I see 138 of you, 140 guys were raffling off another OSINT course today at the mid-roll. Stay tuned for that. If you're replay, hashtag team replay in the comments. Make sure you drop a comment. You want to get credit for being here. Um, and remember, replay, Thursday, January 12th, you will have uh, an opportunity to win the OSINT course. Go to the Discord server to, uh, uh, t- to enter the raffle. I'll show you a video on that later today. But it is time for Worldwide Wednesday, my favorite thing. Tony MBA with the squad membership five months. Nice job, Tony. It's Worldwide Wednesday. Guys, I got a little bit of special news for you guys. I'm excited about this. Worldwide Wednesday is now officially presented by ACI Learning um, or IT Pro by ACI Learning, formerly IT Pro TV. If you guys are familiar with Dan Lowry or Daniel Lowry and the IT Pro TV staff over there, they are sponsoring the just the Worldwide Wednesday segment. Very, very cool. It's not going to change how we operate, but if you do go to uh, IT Pro, 
Um, there's a coupon code in the pinned comment right now, and this is for basically ever. Simply Cyber 30 is the coupon code. Simply Cyber 30 is the coupon code. I have access to the platform right now. I will be testing it to validate it. But Zach Hill, Daniel Lowry, they all, um, who else? Um, a couple other people, uh, John Hammond. We do work. I've been on uh, ACI, uh, ACI Learning's podcast. The great, great uh, group. Normally, I vet everything before I allow them to sponsor or, or uh, endorse anything like that. But I have high, high, high confidence in it. So let's get into Worldwide Wednesday, y'all. You know what to do. We've got a minute and 10 seconds. I might roll it back here. Let's, let's roll it back just a quick second. Let's roll it back. All right, two minutes. We got two minutes. Do me a favor. Tell me where you're at. We are going to run the globe like we always do here in Wednesday, Worldwide Wednesdays. All right, let's go. I see Friday, uh, Florida. Florida's on the house. Saskatchewan, Canada. Welcome. Welcome, Regina. Iceland's in the house. There it is. Chil oh, God. Uh, I'm going to need help mods. South Africa. Tennessee, UK. I see UK. All right. Hello from Cali. Nice California. Texas life. Louisiana. Colorado Springs. Georgia, Minnesota. Love it. Upper Greenville. Going to the upstate. New Brunswick, Canada. Boston. South Korea's in the house. South Korea's in the house. Nice. Toronto. Loving that Canada. Norfolk, VA. Love it. All right. Big, big apples in the house. Minnesota's in the house. Good morning, Ireland. I already accidentally hit you, so you're on the map. Australia's in the house. My man. Czech Republic is in the house. I know you're over here. Sorry, Czech. It's Austria today. Uh, Brazil. Thank you, South America. Manitoba. Ghana. Ghana. Where's Ghana? Ghana, 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 Ghana. Ah. Oh, Ghana. Where's Ghana? Sorry, Ghana. I marked it. Sudan. Um, Australia for everyone. Thank you, internal stranger. UK, Australia, Africa, Ghana. I see. Yeah, I see. I see it. B sec. I just don't know where Ghana is on the map right now. Queens, New York. Saudi Arabia is in the house. Where's Saudi? Saudi, 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 Saudi. Boom. We got the Middle East. Where? Where's our? Well, dude, I think we did it. We're gonna keep marking it. We're gonna keep marking it. Jennifer with a super chat. We just become best friends. Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan, where are you at? I know you're up here. Where are you? Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan. There it is. Kazakhstan. Ghana is next to Nigeria. Thank you. Ghana. Boom. Nailed it. New Jersey, Chicago, Windy City. India's in the house. Guys. We did it, everybody. Philippines in the house. The Philippines. Uh, I know you're down here, Philippines. Where are you? It's okay. I, I, I don't know where the Philippines are right now, but I'm... Uh, 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 nailed it. Guys, Poland's in the house. Hey, guys, super pumped, super happy. Uh, we definitely just did it. Com congratulations to the entire Simply Cyber community. Special shout out to the squad members. Love it, love it, love it. Worldwide Wednesday, that's what it's all about. We are... One big happy family. I absolutely love it. Wakanda's in the house. <laughs> yes. We just destroyed Worldwide Wednesday. Thank you so much, IT Pro, presented by uh, or brought to you by ACI Learning, formerly IT Pro TV. They will be here every Wednesday sponsoring the uh, Worldwide Wednesday activities. So loved that, guys. All right. So, whoo. I love it when we get the whole world, guys. It makes my day. Way to go. Whoever was Brazil, thank you very much, Brazil. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. We had some trouble with South America last time. <clears throat> All right, guys, do me a favor. Sit back, relax, and let the cool, soothing sounds of this 70s disc jockey rock your ears with the top cybersecurity news of the day. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Wednesday, January 11th, 2022. Iowa School District cancels classes due to cyber attack. On Monday, Des Moines Public Schools, which serves 30,000 students, says its operations were affected by unusual activity on the network. IT staff, along with outside cybersecurity consultants, investigated the issue as the district cut off access to Wi-Fi and various network systems. The district was forced to cancel classes Tuesday and now Wednesday due to its reliance on technology to support classroom learning and district operations. 
<clears throat> all right. Um, <clears throat> first of all, want to say thanks so much to Whole Cyber Human Initiative gifting 10 subs. What? Oh, that's the super chat. 10 subs. So you may be there. Uh, Paul Savage, C Money G. C Money G just showed up like for the first time, I think Monday or, or early last, uh, late last week. And C Money G is already a squad member. Love it. Thanks so, so much, Whole Cyber Human Initiative. Guys, new squad members, be sure to check out the emotes. You've just unlocked a ton of them. Uh, I'll drop some John Strand Savage uh, emotes. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, guys, so Iowa School District gets hit. It sounds like they said um, shutter its doors again. Um, so these, these poor guys, 30,000 students getting hammered. Um, and not in like the college Saturday night way, but actually in the we're unable to actually be productive way. Um, it's too bad, guys. <laughs> I'm sure this. OK. I'm just looking a little bit more into the story on what's happening. Several schools across Massachusetts were impacted. L.A. school district. OK, guys, so here's the deal. I I've said it before and I'll say it again. S uh, like state and local education. Um, it's called SLED, if you're uh, not familiar with that term. They, um, th they're grossly underfunded. They're not a great market if you're a vendor, um, and they're, they're a tough market. They typically don't have InfoSec um, dedicated staff. They have IT staff, and they're given InfoSec responsibilities, which I IT people can do InfoSec, but when it's not their primary job, they may be less likely to go get educated on you know, more advanced cybersecurity skills. They may be focusing more on like learning how to like move to the cloud or use AWS or increase availability or be good at networking, like whatever it is. Um, they are pretty ripe for the picking, um, these school districts. Now it says shut down to a cyber attack. It did not say ransomware. At least I didn't hear ransomware, but my suspicion would be a ransomware attack. When you are completely dependent on technology, um, it sucks when the technology goes out. You guys got to remember, um, a lot of the technical services, even like during COVID, we were like we relied on Zoom, Zoom School. We relied on LMSs or learning management platforms to deliver education to to, to congregate and allow teachers to have um, like grade books and stuff like that. Guys, I, I'm a teacher at the Citadel. My uh, my class actually starts tomorrow, which reminds me, tomorrow's episode's at 10 a.m. And I use Canvas for everything. It's how I communicate with my students. It's how I de deliver um, a homework assignments. It's how I do grading. So when you remove that, <clears throat> yes, you can have uh, downtime procedures like paper grade books and everything like that. But if you're not prepared for that, it's going to be devastatingly impactful. So my only suspicion here is that this Iowa school has to shut down because they, like the students would show up and the teachers would not be able to deliver curriculum to them. So it doesn't make any sense for them to show up. It makes more sense for them to shut it down, try to repair and fix uh, and figure it out. Now, the, the one thing I'll say that's very applicable to cybersecurity practitioners here is <clears throat> you should, it's, it's more of an advanced thing, okay? And it's not hard. It's just you don't typically do it with immature cybersecurity programs. It's typically reserved for moderate to mature uh, cybersecurity programs, but you should be doing a business impact analysis. This is an activity, a BIA, look it up. This is an activity where you sit with the business and other key stakeholders and you say, hey, what are your critical business processes? And you help define that, okay? Like, how do you, like, normally it's like, how do we make money here? But in this case, how do we deliver education to students? Well, the building's got to be open. We've got to have Canvas. All the students have to have, you know, computers, like whatever it is, like, what is the critical path to be able to deliver on the Iowa School District mission, which is to deliver education to students. Once you identify those, then you look at all the risks associated with that. This would be a perfect example to say if ransomware hit, we'd be screwed and completely out of business. Okay, so what do we need to do? Downtime procedures, all right. Well, let's document, like, do we cancel school? Do we send the students home with work packets? Do we bring the students in and do a field day? Like, what do we do? This is literally, literally, why I say every single morning, you might want to call Eric Taylor at Barricade Cyber Solutions to have a consultation to figure out what you're going to do when you get slapped in the mouth with a cyber attack. It's so when crap like this happens, you have a plan.
Simple. It sucks for the Iowa school district. I hope they get back up and running soon. But I'm telling you, man, some of these threat actors, especially Vice Society, they are targeting school districts and they don't give a crap. They don't give a crap. Okay? TikTok CEO questioned by EU about its data practices. On Tuesday, TikTok's chief executive, Xiao Zi Chu, was questioned by the European Union's top antitrust official about recent reports in the U.S. about the company's aggressive data harvesting and surveillance practices. The meeting focused on how TikTok plans to comply with new obligations introduced by EU's Digital Services Act and Digital Markets Act, as well as by GDPR. Chu is scheduled to meet with several other EU officials in the coming days, and TikTok claims the meetings are routine and showcase its cooperation with policymakers. All right. A couple things here. One, um, whole cyber human initiative. I saw your uh, your question come through in chat. Guys, we'll, we'll, we'll save some time for jawjacking at the end. I've actually decided to make the format of the show short intro, um, like short intro music, uh, do a little fun stuff for a minute or two at the beginning. News, 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 and then jawjacking at the end so people who are just here for the news can consume that piece and the people who want to socialize and hang out can also do it and everybody is happy about that. All right, so TikTok CEO questioned by EU official over aggressive data harvesting. Okay, guys, check it out. It's like you got to be your head in the sand. Like, hold on. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Right. Like you have to be unaware if you don't think that TikTok isn't harvesting the hell out of everything uh, on that platform. And if I had to guess tinfoil hat, Jerry. Okay, please. Uh. New squad members, C Money G, please look in the emote uh, stack. You'll see a tinfoil hat, Jerry. Here we go. Um, you have to be out of your mind if you don't think that they're harvesting all this data. Now, here's what I think's happening. TikTok CEO questioned by EU official. Instead of being like, hold on, let me do this too. Instead of being like, oh no, like we we definitely are probably we're definitely violating GDPR. Maybe we'll do something about it. No, what we're going to do is we're going to have meetings and we're going to schedule conversations and we'll probably reschedule them a few times because our lawyers aren't available or because I missed my flight or because of reasons. And then we'll finally meet. You'll finally, EU will be unhappy with my results. Then there'll be an investigation or something. You'll get some GDPR fine. It'll be like $30 million, $200 million, whatever GDPR fine you want. Ireland or France will probably be running point on the, on the, on the, um, on the fines. And TikTok's just going to stroke a check and be like, ha ha, we're printing money over here. Like the amount of time, like the amount of time we wasted between like having conversations and actually getting fined, we made a hundred X of what the fine is. So guess what? Great cash, homie. Please. That's what I think's happening. <clears throat> Dude, there's no, there's no, <clears throat> there is no way. Just look at like the business models of Facebook, of Google. <clears throat> it's, <clears throat> God damn it. It's all, <clears throat> it's all about data harvesting and TikTok is the biggest platform on the planet right now with like over 50 is something stupid like over 50 percent of all humans are on TikTok that's massive there's no way that they're just doing it for like dance dance mashups and stitches and TikToks and crap like that I mean uh like you know like like this guy this guy right whatever this guy is like they're not doing it for that reason they're doing it for money <clears throat> and for power and prestige <clears throat> and hopefully not hopefully and hopefully not um to be able to detonate some type of malicious payload on half the planet's people's phones at one point logic bomb on a whole new level that should definitely be a james bond villain plot in an upcoming movie all right guys if you don't think tiktok's doing aggressive data harvesting you're not paying attention government watchdog cracks federal agencies passwords the Office of Inspector General has published a scathing rebuke of the security practices employed by the Department of the Interior, which manages the country's federal land, national parks, and a multi-billion dollar budget. <clears throat> After the department claimed it would require more than 100 years to recover its passwords using off-the-shelf password cracking software, the OIG used a rig costing just under $15,000 to crack nearly 14,000 employee passwords within 90 minutes. The OIG also found that some critical systems and user accounts failed to comply with the government's own two-factor authentication mandate. 
The report concluded that poor password practices put the department at risk of a breach that could pose a high probability of massive disruption to its operations. The Department of the Interior agreed with most of the OIG's findings and said it's committed to improving its cybersecurity defenses. <clears throat> okay. So, a couple things here to point out, okay? Uh, all right, so a couple things to point out here, okay? First of all, what they're saying is that the um, Department of Interior, which is, <clears throat> as far as I know, the Department of Interior is like national parks and uh, like, like Yellowstone and whatever, right? People who want to be out in the woods and not tied. Appalachian Trail is probably involved in that. People who want to be in nature and not tied to a desk or, you know, click, clack, 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 click, whatever, right? So... <clears throat> they are a federal agency, though, which means they need to be FISMA compliant, which means that they need to comply with minimum security standards, which, by the way, I do want to point out, FISMA compliance, there are controls, um, IA3, IA2, IA8, it's been, it's been a few years. It's definitely the IA family, and I think it's, I think it's IA8, uh, but I might be wrong. Someone, someone who's <clears throat> a NISTI, uh, holler at me. Uh, I got the I love NIST emote in chat right now. I used to be able to say like off the top of my head what every control was, but um, it doesn't dictate it. It doesn't dictate in the NIST 853 what your password complexity should be. Now, having said that, it shouldn't be eight characters, all lowercase. The only way to validate that is to either dump all the creds, which is a terrible idea, or do this exercise where you try to crack all the creds. So you, like, obviously this was organized. The, the watchdog that cracked all this did not hack in and break all the passwords, okay? They definitely got a, a hashed dump out of, I would assume, like Active Directory or something like that. And then they ran it through a password cracker, like, um, you know, John the Ripper or something like that. And every time it hit one, it would, it would check it. Yep, 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 yep. And they were able to, it said, it said in here, guess like 14,000 in 90 minutes or something like that, which is gross, which is gross, guys. And it just goes to show you that even U.S. federal government is going to have problems, okay? I, I'm actually particularly irritated that, that this was allowed to happen because you can control from a central management point, Active Directory, what the password complexity requirements are. If you're in 0365, you can manage the minimum password requirements from a management console. Furthermore, President Biden requires, uh, and I might be getting this slightly wrong, but like last year, there was an executive order that came out by Biden around cybersecurity. Jack Scott on Outpost Gray probably knows this a little bit in greater detail than me, but like he, there, an executive order came out and it said a couple things like one, move to zero trust architecture. Two, everybody on MFA, like, and you have like 90 days or 180 days to comply or something like that. So the fact that this was not in a, enrolled in MFA, the Department of Interior, get out of here with that. Like, that is ridiculous, dude. In 2022, you need MFA, especially federal governments. It shouldn't even be a question. I'm a, I'm a little annoyed. I'm a little annoyed. I, I do have a soft spot um, for people who don't use MFA. It's, it's too freaking important, and it's too easy to implement. It's not hard to implement MFA. It's, it, it takes time. Don't get me wrong. You don't, you don't flip the switch and go get tacos. It does take time. Uh, and you can have challenges. I've rolled out MFA before at a 1,200-person company, and it took it took a few months, frankly. You could have done it in a weekend, but the the appetite for change at that organization wasn't high. My point is, a couple things. All right, here, I'm sorry. Like I'm ranting now. Here is takeaways for you if you're a practitioner. One, if you're in Office 365, like if your environment's up there. Office 365 and BSEC, please provide context for this if you can. Office 365 has a 
toggle switch that you can toggle on, and you absolutely should, that prevents your users from creating passwords. They, it won't allow them to create crap passwords, and it won't allow them to create common passwords like winter 2023 exclamation point. It, I, I forget what it's called, but it's like the global banned password list, and you toggle it on. And when they go to make a, a, a password, it'll say, oh, you can't make that password. It, it's like the same pop-up you get if you try to create the same password uh, like uh, again. This will force your users to make better passwords. Secondly, <clears throat> please, please, <clears throat> if you're doing on-prem AD, configure it. Roll it out. Tell your users why you're doing it. Third and final thing, and this is, <clears throat> you should be doing this through your security awareness program. Explain to people what a passphrase is. <clears throat> Dude, if your password is like, if your password is something that you have to write on a sticky note, it's a suck password, okay? If your passphrase is, I love my wife and kids, every single every single day twice on sundays or you know whatever or um you know kim like here's a here's a great passphrase kimberly's favorite sound effect is straight cash homie straight cash homie that doesn't even have a number in it but you know what it has have like 60 characters white spaces exclamation point capital letters no one's gonna guess that no Password cracking rig is going to get Kimberly's favorite sound effect of straight cash on me. No one's going to get that. You know who's going to remember it all day, every day? You. That's what a passphrase is. It kills me that people do not teach people what passphrases are. They're so much better than passwords from a security perspective. And they're so much better than passwords from an end user, like utility and day-to-day -day use perspective. Passphrases in 2023. Let's go. GitHub adds features to automate vulnerability code scanning. Hosting service GitHub has added a new... Oh my God, don't even get me started on those systems that only allow you to put like 15 characters or less. That You want to talk about uh, like... <gasps> feature that automates code scanning of repositories using Python, JavaScript, and Ruby. The new feature is now available in the code security and analysis section under the security heading in the settings tab of repositories. The company says, quote, once enabled, you'll immediately start getting insights from code scanning in your code to help you find and fix vulnerabilities quickly without disrupting your workflow, end quote. The company also clarified that manual customized scanning is still possible as an advanced option. Cool. This is wicked cool. Um, I hope this now they're calling they're, they're calling a default setup. You guys can see it calling something default setup and actually making it the default configuration are two simple things, right? Someone can call me NFL quarterback Jerry. That does not mean I'm taking a... <laughs> it means I'm not taking a snap under center. It's just a, what you're calling me. Now, if it is the default setup, con like hooray and congratulations uh, for developers and GitHub. Again, I, I have to imagine that this is going to be the standard configuration. If you are running a GitHub... Um, like some of us run GitHubs, like I have a GitHub, but it's not really code. It's just like a repo of, uh, sources and stuff. But if you're running GitHub, like a program, like if you're running the recon NG application repo, right? Tim Tomes does it, which we're going to be raffling off in just a minute. Then you can scan it automatically for insecurity, which is great. Absolutely. Guys, if you work in an environment that uses GitHub, or you have friends, family, loved ones, um, colleagues, uh, peers, people in your in your class that use GitHub. Share this with them. If if you're in like a, a code boot camp, right, or whatever, right now, you should bring this to your next meeting and be like, dude, check this out. This is sick. All right. So definitely take advantage of this. I love this. Love this. Love this. Um, even if you okay. So even if you don't do anything with the findings, at least you have awareness. You can't be aloof and be like, oh, I got this. No, like this is a cool tool. And way to go to Microsoft, Google, Amazon. Like it was announced like uh, three months ago that major big tech companies were partnering with the United States government to attack and fix open source software security weaknesses. And they're donating money. And they're, they're you know, at the time I was like, oh, I'm sure there's some kind of cash grab here. But at the same time, Microsoft, who owns GitHub, is clearly 
you know, pro security and doing things. So I, I love this. I love this, love this, love this. Also, I want to let people know, because I haven't shared this. Tomorrow is Thursday. Every Thursday at 4 p.m., 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, I, I do a show called Simply Cyber Live. It's a one-hour guest format show where we interview industry professionals and have a good time. Tomorrow's guest, because I haven't made the promo card yet, is Evan Ottinger. He's the developer at TCM Security, and he's a big um, AppSec guy. Um, and we're going to be talking about all about application security tomorrow. And I'll be asking him about this and what his thoughts are on this. And we'll be talking about API hacking and all that other stuff. So come join us tomorrow. Again, I don't have the promo card. I don't have enough time with all the stuff I have going on. I also have a full-time job and I'm a teacher <laughs> and I do this show. So um, anyways, just bear with me. But tomorrow we're going to have Evan Oninger. Let's do the mid-roll. And now a word from our sponsor, App Omni. Can you name all the third-party apps connected to your major SaaS platforms like Salesforce and Microsoft? What about the data these apps can access? After all, one compromised third-party app could put your entire SaaS ecosystem at risk. With AppOmni, you get visibility to all third-party apps and SaaS-to-SaaS -SAS connections, including which end users have enabled them and the level of data access they've been granted. Visit AppOmni.com to request a free risk assessment. That's A-P-P-O-M-N-I dot com. Did you hear that? Some hot sass to sass action. <laughs> All right. Hey, it's the mid-roll. Let's do some fun stuff, y'all. Guys, my name's Jerry. I run Simply Cyber. If you're getting entertainment out of this show, if you're getting educational value, which I, I really, really hope. We have a good time here, and it's fun and entertaining, but I hope you get knowledge. I hope you get education. I hope you get briefed. That's the point of the show. Please, if you're getting any of that value, take a moment, hit the like button on the YouTubes, on the LinkedIn's. It goes a long way. The very specific reason I'm asking you to hit the like button right now is because if we hit a certain amount, YouTube will say, hey, a bunch of cybersecurity people like this live stream. Let me go tell other cybersecurity people about this live stream right now and it will push us to those other community members and that we can help them discover. You yourself may have found the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing because of this activity that we're doing right now. It could have been us last week, two weeks ago, doing the same activity and you found us for that running. See Money G, see Money G may have found us. So hit that like button, it goes a long way and I appreciate it. Now, all week we're raffling off Courses for OSINT using Recon NG from Joe Gray, who is an absolute legend in the open source intelligence social engineering space. The guy's got a black badge from DerbyCon for social engineering. If you want to enter to win it, go ahead and type in OSINT right now. George, George Strasberger, you're going to have to do it again. Go ahead and hit OSINT. I'm watching to see if people get lo logged in. I did all capital letters, all capital letters. Yep, there we go. We got you. We got you. I see you, George. Okay, guys, by the way, I also bought uh, Joe Gray's book, Practical Social Engineering. I, I just got it. I, I just finished. I just finished. I just finished this book in order to like get me more time and free up my time. And now I'm moving on to this one, which I have absolutely zero practical reason to learn, but I sure am curious. Practical social engineering, it's gonna be a good time. I've taken this course, guys. This course is awesome. Whoever wins it, you're gonna love it. Reminder, guys, if you wanna get the newsletter I write every single Monday morning at 6 a.m., Go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter and you'll be on the mailing list. And if you guys want to unsubscribe, just unsubscribe. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, like, I deliver value, cyber risk reduction, three actionable tasks you can take that Monday morning 
to help deliver risk reduction or last Monday's executive one didn't deliver cyber risk reduction, but what it did do was help you build rapport with your executive. So later on down the line, when you need to ask for money or engage them in some meaningful way, you'll have already kind of broken down some barriers and made them more accessible. Love it, love it, love it. Hey, Jess Bishop, love it. All right, 117 of you logged into the OSINT raffle. I'll give it another minute. Uh, I just want to remind everybody again that uh, I appreciate IT Pro by ACI Learning, formerly IT Pro TV, for A, sponsoring the Worldwide Wednesday set, uh, activity that we do, and for allowing the Simply Cyber community 30% off anything <laughs> at IT Pro um, site. And it, I think I put a link in there. Yeah, if you go, this is what the site looks like if you go there. See how it says Simply Cyber? Just for us. Definitely go check it out. All right, guys, let's do the raffle. Good luck to everybody. Here we go. 120 people. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Andrew Nakamura. Way to go, Andrew Nakamura. My man, always in chat. Loving me some Andrew Nakamura. Good job, everybody. Andrew, connect with me on uh, Discord DMs, and I'll get you your winnings. Let's get back to the news. Trojan Puzzle trains AI assistants to suggest malicious code. Researchers have devised a new poisoning attack, dubbed Trojan Puzzle, that trains AI models to learn how to reproduce dangerous payloads. The researchers poisoned an AI training dataset of nearly 6 gigabytes of Python code, which mimics datasets that AI models pull right from the internet. Trojan Puzzle avoids detection by actively hiding part of its malicious payload during the training process. The attack relies on the ML to substitute random words until it finally suggests the entire attacker-chosen payload code. After running three training epics on the AI model, researchers were able to obtain a 21% insecure suggestion rate. Given the rise in coding assistance like GitHub's Copilot and OpenAI's ChatGPT, AI training exploits could potentially lead to large-scale supply chain attacks. Yep. All right, so two things going on here. One, this is completely legitimate, okay? Completely legitimate. Everybody is walking around with a double-fisted situation about open AI's chat GPT. Oh my God, if I see another video on YouTube about how you can make like seven figures in a week with chat GPT doing all the heavy lifting, it, it, it'll be too soon, right? The thing is, any AI assistant or whatever, it has to be trained on some data set, okay? So the integrity of the data set is directly influencing what the model suggests. Now, in this particular example, the researchers were able to poison the data model Okay, so they had a bunch of like malicious stuff in it, like without getting too into it, a bunch of malicious stuff into it. And if they had checks in place to find the malicious stuff, it wouldn't have worked. So what they did was it, they almost had, it sounds like they almost had a, um, like a substitution model. Like if you see this, then do this. Essentially a more glorified, overly complicated way of obfuscating the malicious bits so the, the checks wouldn't notice, okay? And this we see this all the time in common malware, right, guys? Like, when you see a power... If you've ever seen a PowerShell payload, it'll say PowerShell, um, you know, dash X or whatever, and then some Base64 encoded command. The reason you see that is because the Base64 will be decoded and run, but when something is checking for certain keywords or certain... Um, you know, domain names or, or whatever, it's not going to detect it. And that's why static detection on explicit strings, <clears throat> signatures, are brittle. Same thing's happening here. This is essentially what it is. And by the way, I'd like to also remind you that more and more people are relying on these AIs to basically, uh, you know, do the work. Now, I said this yesterday on stream, and I wholeheartedly believe this. I believe that the digital assistants or the, the open AI chat GPTs of the world, they are really good if you already know what is valid and what is invalid output. 
So if I ask it a question like, hey, tell me five things that GRC analysts should know about, and it spits out five things, and one of them is that they should understand, like, I don't know, how to program a firewall or something like that, right? Well, I know that that's total, totally not appropriate, right? That's not really what GRC analysts need to know, and I can strike that. But if you're unaware of all this and you're trying to fake it till you make it or be bigger than you are or something like that and you push that forward you don't know any better so to me the value of these things is helping you cut time like i could think of five things grc analysts can do but you know what if it takes chat gbt eight seconds to dump out five things and then i can just review it that's much faster and i need time time is is my most valuable asset right so all of that to say if people, if you are relying on ChatGPT to dump out things that are valid or whatever the next version of these AI models are, you've got to be confident in what it was modeled on. The second thing I'll share with you, and then I'll move off the story. I heard a story from Brandon Poole uh, from Panopticeye where a similar attack was done and it took two years. It's very time consuming. But a sophisticated threat actor looked at how VirusTotal scans malware, okay? Looked at the engines underneath it, right? If you've ever used VirusTotal, you know you drop a piece of unknown binary and you get the scores in the engine. Well, threat actors started dumping things that were quasi-malicious like years ago, okay? And they kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it until it was you know, identified as non-malicious, right? So non-malicious, non-malicious, training up those engines. And then the people who make the engines, like the, the, you know, the AVGs of the world, the, the malware bytes of the world, right? They started incorporating it into their models that this is a false positive, this is a legitimate binary, don't worry about this. So then when the threat actors actually executed their attack and dropped malicious payloads on endpoints, the first thing all the analysts did was drop it in virus toll and it came back green lit all across the board because the model had been trained to scan and identify it as non-malicious. You've got to be careful if you put, what the hell? Just lost, oh, all right. Hopefully, I don't know what happened. I just lost a lot of visuals. Um mods 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 all right hold on give me a second i i'm having uh i don't know what just happened something happened all right you hear me but don't see me well let's keep rolling here let me do this uh do 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 do, do. stand stay tuned St stand by we'll get this Hold on. One sec, I got this. We got this, people. We got this. Ooh, back in business, baby. Now it's time for You Should Probably Patch That, January 2023 Patch Tuesday edition. ChatGPT's on to me. Microsoft's first Patch Tuesday of 2023 <laughs> includes 97 software fixes, including a zero-day under active exploit. The zero-day flaw relates to the Windows Advanced Local Procedure Call component and is being exploited to elevate privileges and escape a browser sandbox. While Microsoft fixed the issue, it did not release any info to help defenders hunt for signs of compromise. Microsoft's January patches also address code execution, denial of service, and other elevation of privilege flaws in a wide range of OS and system components. Tuesday also saw Adobe rollout fixes for 29 security vulnerabilities in a range of products. Most notably, Adobe fixed critical flaws in Adobe Acrobat and Reader that expose Windows and Mac OS users to code execution attacks. 
Video messaging giant Zoom also released patches for Vulns and Zoom rooms that expose Windows and Mac OS users to privilege escalation attacks. And finally, researchers warned that a vulnerability in the JSON Web Token open source JavaScript package could be exploited to achieve remote code execution. JSON Web Token is used by many applications for authentication and authorization and has more than 9 million weekly downloads. The issue has been addressed with the release of JSON Web Token version 9.0.0. All right. Digital. Couple things here. One, this actively exploited Windows Vuln. Uh, this LPC elevation of privileges, I just looked it up uh, at Microsoft. I know you guys can't really see this. The attack vector is local. Uh, the attack vector re represents um, like how close the threat actor has to be to actually execute this one. Local means that they have to have their hands on your keyboard. Okay, so this isn't remote code unauthenticated, which is like the worst. You should still patch for it, obviously. Uh, and endpoints that are in the field, right? Like sales engineers and crap like that, they would be more likely to get exploited uh, simply because they don't have the physical security around it. But, um, you know, I'm curious how this is being actively exploited in the wild. But the the attack vector is local, which is important to point out. It means you don't have to like shut off the podcast and boogie on to uh, patch this ASAP. Now, you should be patching um, your Windows systems uh, regularly. And it, it really is worth pointing out. Oh, good. I'm glad you're enjoying the book, Chris Weaver. Um, it is worth pointing out. I've said this before. If you're going to roll out vulnerability management, uh, if you are interviewing for a vulnerability management job, right, for example, or you're doing vuln management or patch management at your organization, two quick things. One, and BSEC, chime in if you'd like. One, you should be rolling out patches in a, think of it as a, uh, like throwing a, a rock in a pond and the ripples that come out of it, concentric circle ripples. You should patch a couple machines just to make sure it doesn't brick anything, right? It, Microsoft makes mistakes all the time, okay? Patch a couple machines, couple critical ones, one of your domain controllers. You should have a, at least a test domain controller um, so you can patch it and then a couple endpoints, right? Then patch the IT team because they are super users. They can kind of remediate the issues themselves. Then have champions in different departments, finance, sales, uh, engineering, uh, HR. Have those people patch, make sure none of their critical apps break. Then push to the entire organization. If you push to the entire organization and then shut off your computer and go meet me for tacos, <laughs> I guarantee you, it's not going to end well for you. It might not be this time around, but it will punch you in the stomach at some point. Um, second thing, or one and a half, because my second thing's different. One and a half thing. Um, don't ever do this on a Friday unless you're like love gambling and Russian roulette's your favorite game. Do not do patching on Fridays. Uh, okay. And then the second thing that I want to point out is uh, don't, well, there's two things here. Most most endpoints in your organization, like don't patch yourself on the back if you get 80% of the endpoints in your organization patched, okay? Like good on you, great job, but most of the endpoints that are part of like your standard fleet that are like complying and checking to AD and all that stuff, they are going to get patched and everything. The work is actually in the 20% fringe, right? The, the, the workstation that the CEO has that has a custom build on it because he likes his apps and like isn't part of the patch pool or the R&D machines that, you know, they don't, they don't, they're not part of the GPOs because they're always doing interesting tech stuff. And, you know, your, your policies don't work here, my friend, or the dev team who's got special applications or special privileges. Those are the machines that should be on your radar, okay? So it, it's just important because a lot of people get super pumped up about like, oh, I patched like 80% of the population. Your vanilla builds that Carl uses day in and day out, that's not where the problems are going to arise. You do need to patch them, but your problems are gonna arise in those fringe machines that get overlooked regularly. Um, that's it. License plate maker exploited to track equipped cars. Researchers have figured out a way to reverse engineer California's new digital e-ink license plates. 
The digital plates produced by Reviver were designed to help owners track down stolen vehicles. However, the researchers discovered an editable JSON object that allowed them to add subscribers to accounts. Further, they were able to leverage flaws in Reviver's password reset site to administer vehicles, fleets, and user accounts, and eventually to gain admin privileges. Reviver plates are also currently street legal in Arizona, Michigan, and Texas, with several other states conducting a pilot. What? Base case, uh, other California's people. What is this? I've never heard of this. I thought it, I thought when I saw e ink plate, I thought it was like vanity plates, like on the front of your, on the front of your car. You can literally have e ink license plates on the back of your car. What? I, I got to see a picture of this. By the way, the register. I love when the register uses the term miscreants. Like they're the only place that does that. I got to look at this. California e-ink plate. What is this? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is interesting. Okay. So I guess they have these e-ink plates. Like, dude. Here, okay. So here's my thing. Here's my thing. The story is these, these plates can be hacked. Um, and apparently um, it's not a closed loop system where um, you know, you make a Bluetooth connection in your personal area and network to the plate and you update it. It comes from some centrally managed, uh, system, right? No surprise. People have figured out how to hack it. Okay. Which by the way, is probably hilarious. Cause people are probably putting like, I am a like on people's plates and they're driving around, not realizing it or, you know, what, whatever. Um, my, my one thing is who asked for this? Like, why are we doing this? Was the metal plate a problem? Like, what was, what, like, I mean, I get it. Maybe you don't have to go to the DMV to do plates, but like, I get my plates in the mail. Like, what are we doing here? What, like, who asked for this? Just because you can do it, why are you doing it? Um, no surprise. Again, government program. They probably went with the, um, Minimum qualified, lowest cost estimate uh, vendor to do this, who delivered on the requirements, but did not secure it. Yeah. Straight cash, homie. It is straight cash, homie. Now, having said that, having an eating plate would be kind of cool. But, I mean, but the thing is, like, you're not, like, it's it, there's no personality to it. If, if it was on the front of your plate, uh, excuse me, if it was on the front of your car, that's wicked cool because then you could personalize it, change it day in, day out, go Patriots until they get knocked out of the season because they didn't even qualify for the playoffs. And then we're on to the Bruins, right? So, like, you could change your plate and say, go Bruins. But the back of your plate, a, a state-issued identifier for your car? Heck, no. And then where do you stick the sticker, right? Where do you stick your um, the sticker that says you paid your car taxes on this thing? Another question. I don't know. This is dumb. This is so dumb. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Dating apps to offer in-app tips on avoiding romance scams. Match Group, the parent company of dating apps Tinder, exactly. Hinge, Match, B-Sec. Plenty of Fish, Medic, and Our Time, announced Tuesday that it will introduce in-app messages and email notifications to give users tips on how to prevent being scammed online. Suggestions include how to verify profile pictures, chatting with matches before meeting them in person, and learning how to recognize other scammer red flags. The awareness campaign will run through the end of January in more than 15 countries. Match Group plans to continue pushing reminders to users periodically. In 2021, the FTC reported that consumers lost a staggering $547 million due to romance scams. And that does it for today. All right, so that's going to do it for the stream today. But, but like, obviously, I want to comment on this story. I just got to get some music going here. Guys, okay, so check it out. I, I have a strong opinion about this. Romance scams are deplorable. The fact that you would take advantage of someone emotionally, especially someone in a vulnerable position who, like, just lost their spouse or just left a... Um, you know, a, 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 a abusive relationship or something like that, and you're going to prey on them and take advantage of them and ultimately rob them? F- you, man. I hate you. Listen, so for these dating apps, I appreciate that they're willing to provide in-app tips. Hey, is it a romance scam? Hey, here's some red flags you should be looking at. Two things. One, 
I appreciate that they're doing that, but I feel like this is a half measure, right? If you're like falling in love with a catfish, the last thing you want is the platform to be like, is this a romance scam? Because you're going to click right through it. No, no, it can't be. People don't want the truth sometimes, okay? Because the fantasy is more appealing to them. What I would like to do and what I think this these dating apps should do, they have enough information, man. These these romance scammers, they execute scripts. They do the same bullshit every single time to victims. The platforms should be able to identify the key language, the key behaviors, if it's the same account, and shut, the, shut them down, right? Allow people to report and then do an investigation. I think kneecapping these romance scammers based on their TTPs is way more effective than putting the onus on the victim to decide for themselves, is this a romance scam or not? Most people are gonna say, no, 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 that happens to other people, not me, not Jonah. I Jonah's good to me, Jonah tells me the truth. I just, like, listen, Jonah was gonna come visit me, um, but someone stole his wallet, so I had to give him $1,000 to buy a plane ticket. And then he, and then, and then, um, you know, the, the, the flight got canceled, but my, my Jonah is legit. Dude, people want a fantasy. I think that these platforms have the information to be able to kneecap the, the uh, scammers before they even get to the victims. That's my thing. I hate, dude, I hate certain things piss me off and like, Taking advantage of vulnerable people is is near the top of my list. Like it's completely inappropriate, and it's not. It's oh god. Like a business has an opportunity to implement security controls and defend itself, and if they get compromised, hopefully it's not bad. But like, this is how things operate in 2022. When you're taking advantage of like, you know, a widow or an elderly person, or or any like anyone, man. I hate it. Oh, all right, guys. So that's going to do it for the news today. If you were here just for the news, thank you very much. We went a little long, but I think it was worth it. Reminder at 11.30 a.m. today, assuming ChatGPT's up, we're going to put ChatGPT through its paces today where we're going to make ChatGPT the CISO of a manufacturing company, and we're going to stick a AI threat actor attacking the manufacturing company and we're going to see how ChatGPT defends the organization. Smart hands today for Jerry, so I get an easy layup day. Uh, but come join us at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. So about two and a half hours from now, we're going to be dropping bombs. Guys, if you got a drop, I understand. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Reminder that um, I'm now, you know, affiliated with IT Pro uh by ACI Learning, formerly IT Pro TV. You guys may remember it there. If you're interested, 30% uh, off with the code SimplyCyber30. Um, I have access to the platform now. I'm going to be actually taking Daniel Lowry's IoT hacking class. I'm very interested in that class personally. I'll report back uh, what my thoughts are. If you have thoughts in chat about IT Pro TV or now IT Pro by ACI Learning, holler at me. Okay, what's going on with the FAA, guys? I see people talking about FAA. All right. All right, let's check it out. FAA system outage grounds all U.S. departing flights. Holy crap. All right, Gary Bergiatis, let's see. The FAA is grounding all U.S. departures until 9 a.m. today as a system that provides pilots with notices they need before flying is experiencing an outage. Okay. Uh, significant delays. Uh, there are more than 4,000 flight delays nationwide. All right, let's see what this outage is. You guys want to do this in real time? Um, so, the system is called NOTAMS, Notice to Air Missions. Okay. Newark and Hartsfield, uh, Atlanta, have resumed flights uh, after 9 a.m., which is now. Um, 
So it looks like the system is back up and the FAA is actually... Hold on, how old is this story? The story is from 10 minutes ago. It seems like the system is up and the FAA is actually doing validation checks. Sounds. It looks like they turned it off and back on again. <laughs> and they're just uh, checking it out. Uh, Joe Biden wasn't, you know, didn't comment on it. That's fine. Uh, they don't know what it caused it, cyber attack or not. Maybe they applied, uh, <laughs> maybe they applied Windows patches and they didn't do it in the way I suggested. Um, okay. Looks like it's a U.S. based issue only. Commercial airline pilots use NOTAMs for real-time information on flight hazards. It does say that NOTAMs has not been relied on as a single uh, source of information. And some flights would have been fine. So, okay, a couple things here. One, I love that uh, something as super serious as air travel and air travel safety doesn't have a system that is a single source of uh, information for awareness. So um, this is good. It sounds like the issue has been resolved. Um, the FAA is pretty serious about doing uh, post-mortem uh, retrospectives to identify what the cause of the issue was. So I'm sure they will do that. I will tell you, if, if this uh, attack is related to a um, cyber attack, the full weight of the U.S. government will be right on top of that. The, the sensitivity... And um, just kind of optics of air travel safety is so, so important to America and to just U.S. society that they will come after if this was a threat actor um, related incident. All right. Uh, there's no evidence the outage was a result of a cyber attack. OK, so there's no evidence. But at the same time, unless it was ransomware, <laughs> unless it was ransomware, I don't know how they would have evidence at this point i mean they'd like they probably there's here's the thing if they were going to send incident responders like mandian or whatever to go investigate they can't take a plane because air travel is grounded right now so um this will this will definitely be in the news tomorrow um to friday the latest all right okay thanks very much community for sharing uh that story Little jaw jacking, gaming with the cats up in here. Bill Green. I agree, Bill Green. If it was a cyber attack, it, dude, it's it's even like private business. If there's a cyber attack, they're going to delay, delay, delay. In fact, here's a pro tip. Here's a pro tip, okay? For any aspiring CISO out there. Never use the term breach unless you have to, Okay. And this isn't, this isn't like being misrepresentative, okay? But the second you say you've had a breach, or the second you report you've had a breach, or the second you put in an email the word breach, and you should coach your staff not to use that term unless they're sure, a clock starts ticking. And in many regulations and laws, there's certain time spans on when you have to report a breach. United, uh, state of South Carolina, you have 72 hours to report a, a privacy breach of data. So what we say is, there's been an event. We're investigating an event. It appears we've had an incident. We're investigating the incident. Clock hasn't started yet. Only when you're sure and you've got all the data and all the facts, and you've brief, you know, you've gone through the protocols, then you can announce breach. Okay. So, much like uh, what Bill Green said, they are closely monitoring this. This would have a terror-like attack impact on U.S. confidence in air travel um, if there was a, you know, cyber, you know, nation-state-backed cyber attack on the FAA. All right. Let's avoid panic. Exactly, Chris Weaver. Don't preach on the word breach. That's right. Never try to get actors to sign an NDA and not report it. <laughs> Zombie guy Justin with the Uber uh, slap. Love it. Yep, exactly. Reggie Davis, that's the order, man. Kimberly can fix it. Check out the CTI Simply Cyberstream with Joel Belton and Eric from Barricade Cyber Solutions. Exactly. Um, I'll put a link in that. Uh, Simply Cyber Risk, uh, Eric Taylor, CTI. I don't know if it'll come up right away, but 
uh, videos. Ugh, I'm not good at SEO. I'll have to. I'll, I'll find that later. Have a great day, Adam. Thank you so much, um, guys. Be good. My pleasure, Michael Starnes. Be good, everybody. Thank you all so very much. I know we went a little long today, but uh, it was a good time. Happy Thursday, or happy Wednesday. Nice job on Worldwide Wednesday. Definitely enjoyed doing that. Have a great day. We'll see you guys. Be good. 11.30 a.m. Hopefully you guys can make it. Take care.